to be part of this community of faith. And uh, we're, we're looking at a series about kingdom living, about being a kingdom people. And that makes us a community. Uh, so it's, it's great to, to uh, be thanked and it, it does make you feel warm and fuzzy on the inside. But actually, we're part of a community. You know, we're part of a, being a kingdom people. And, and the outworking of that is, is different for different ones of us in different spheres. But it's just, it's not what we do, it's who we are. Um, and, and for ourselves, we don't, we don't help people because we feel sorry for them. We help people because we love them. They're our brothers, they're our sisters. Uh, I seem to have a bit of echo here. Uh, and and that's, that's the same for all of us. I know that's the same for all of us. So as, 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 uh, as Steve said, my name is Mark. I'm part of the leadership here. And it's, it's great to be able to connect with you through this stream. Uh, it's, it's amazing that we can do church in this way, but it's not all particularly the way that we would want to do church. You know, I was in the building this, this week, midweek, with the Mashigo children, and, and Agnes said, oh, I, I miss it. Um, I miss being at Jubilee. And there's something that, that many of us feel. You know, it's, it's, it's so important that as a community and in our individual lives, we have complied with the restrictions and even taken a cautious approach because in doing so, we've protected some of the most vulnerable people in our city of Hull. And that's, that's what we're about. We're about protecting the most vulnerable people in our city. But we look forward. We look forward eagerly to this phase coming to an end and the next phase starting and being together again. And the government will be doing announcements this week. And, and as soon as we've processed them and what it means for us, we'll be, we'll be sharing that, I'm sure. So um, if you join us on the stream, great. If, if you're looking forward to connecting again physically, even better. I'm continuing our series, which is looking at the Sermon of the Mount and Jesus' teaching on kingdom living. And this week, we're going to look at the kingdom and integrity. So we have, a, we have a scripture on a slide, which we're going to put up, which is the text for today, which is in Matthew 5, and it's verses 33 through to 37. And this is what it says. Again, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven, for it's God's throne, or by the earth, for it's his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of our great king. And don't swear by your head, because you cannot make one hair white or black. All you need to do is to simply say yes or no. And anything beyond this comes from the evil one. So this passage, which follows after the teaching on divorce, follows after the teaching on uh, adultery, this passage starts with a line which is an amalgamation of several Old Testament scriptures. You know, when it says, do not break your oath, uh, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made, that's, that's echoing Leviticus 19.12, where it says, do not swear falsely by my name, and so profane the name of the Lord. Uh, I am your God. It, it also echoes Numbers 32 where it says, 
When a man makes a vow to the Lord or takes an oath to obligate himself by a pledge, he must not break his word, but must do everything he said. And Deuteronomy 23, 21. If you make a vow to the Lord your God, do not be slow to pay it. And this passage is speaking to a particular place and a particular context in a specific moment of time. You know, Jesus is speaking to a Jewish people. But beyond speaking to a Jewish people, this passage speaks a deeper, timeless message, and it speaks a message to us today. And it's no coincidence that this teaching about what you pledge and what you vow comes after the teaching on adultery and the teaching on divorce. And the context is this. You know, it's, it's about oaths, and it's about being consistent to what you say. And the context is this, that Jewish people were accustomed they were in the habit of swearing by something that is greater than themselves. They were in the habit of swearing by something which was external to them as an individual to make themselves accountable. And we see in this scripture that they were swearing on a variety of seemingly sensible and clearly not sensible things. And Jesus is saying, away with all of that. You know, away with all of that. You know, don't swear by heaven, don't swear by heaven, don't swear by the earth, don't swear by Jerusalem, and, and obviously don't swear by, by yourself. I mean, that's just daft. I mean, you know, may my hair go white if I'm lying to you, like, you know, other than chemical assistance. We have no control over the color of our hair. To swear by something which is completely outside of your own control is just ridiculous. I mean, I've got little control over whether I have hair or not, never mind what color it is. And uh, I mean, this is a slight deviation. It's not the word of the God. But, you know, if you're a man, if you're in your 20s, you don't know what the future holds for your hair. So uh, I just say this, you know, make the most of it. You know, get a perm, dye it purple. You know, you might keep it, you might not. I've, I've got two older brothers. No, I've not. I've got an older and a younger brother. And uh, they were nearly bald by the end of their 20s. And I thought, I might have dodged the family bullet. But it just turned out it was fired a little bit later in my, in my direction. So it's, it's a nonsense to swear by your own body, by the color of your hair, by whether it's going to go frizzy or not. It's, it's, it's completely nonsensical to do so. And it's not the way of the kingdom. And we're going to look at why Jesus is telling us not to swear by any external thing. Whether that's something that seems sensible because it's connected to God and who God is, or whether it's something which is just utterly ridiculous. But before we go there, before we go there to look at why Jesus says not to swear by these things, you know, let's just challenge ourselves. You know, clearly, this is something that these Jewish people were used to doing. And, and we could say, well, you know, they, they're, they're from a particular place of history. They, they didn't know the good news about Jesus. They didn't know about the rule and reign of Christ in people's hearts. They didn't know about the kingdom of God, that you can live in the goodness of knowing God whilst you walk the earth. And, and, and clearly that's why they had these habits. Well, you know, 
Um, this, this pattern of pledge-making, they're not let off the hook by being an Old Testament people. You know, the law was not designed to introduce these kind of behaviors. These kind of behaviors are not a result of them being Jewish and them following the law. No, no. In fact, um, it, it says in, in Matthew 23, 23, Jesus speaks and he says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. I give you a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin. Hang on. I've read it wrong. Let me start again. Uh, it's still the same scripture, Matthew 23, 23. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, the mint, the dill, and the cumin. But you have neglected the most important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. See, the law was not designed to be something to allow people to start making oaths and pledges. The law was designed to bring justice, mercy, and faithfulness. Jesus came to fulfill the law, not because the law was flawed, but because the heart of people was flawed. The heart of people meant the law wasn't enough. The law wasn't enough to achieve what it was intended to achieve. Only the grace of Christ, only the grace of God towards us in the sacrifice of Jesus can accomplish that. But the intention of the law was for justice, mercy, and faithfulness. So when God made an oath or a promise to people in the Old Testament, it was to demonstrate his faithfulness to them. It wasn't to provide them with the idea of swearing by something to show that they fully intended to do something or very selectively choosing what they swore by if they didn't want to be fully committed to doing something. No, no. You know, even then oaths were intended to help people understand the faithfulness of God. And if we go right back to how the law was given in Exodus 34, 6, God introduces himself. God introduces himself in this way. He says, you know, he passed in front of Moses proclaiming, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands. You know, that's, people talk about the Old Testament God. You know, that, that's the Old Testament God. In other words, God. Um, that word, loving kindness, is, is a Hebrew word which, which can be translated as hesed, or, or um, loving kindness in, in this particular instance. But it also is translated love and faithfulness, unfailing love, faithful love, steadfast love, loyal love. It, it's a word used 249 times in the Old Testament and describes the heart of God towards his people. There's a song that we used to sing in the 1980s. You know, I became a Christian when I was 14. When you become a Christian when you're 14, you go into a church community and you start hearing songs and you hear people speaking. And people used to speak and they would talk about songs from the 1940s and 1950s. And as a 15, 16, 17-year-old, I used to sit in meetings thinking, boy, like, you know, you're talking about a bygone era. And now I find myself 
Fast forward 30 years, doing exactly the same thing. But 30 years ago, there was a song that would say, Oh, faithful God, you know, Oh, faithful God, my faithful God, you uphold my cause, you dry my eyes, uh, you're always near, you're a faithful God. So these Jewish people were missing it big time. And we're going to look at, we're going to look at um, what Jesus says to replace this habit of swearing and oath-taking by. But before we, before we get on to that, is it the case that we're so different? Is it the case that we're so different to this community of, of Jewish people? Is it the case that we're so much better that we would never reference our own intentions by an external factor? Or might we occasionally say stupid things like, I swear by my mother's grave? Or... May God strike me down if, uh, you know, those of us who have got generations of UK history behind us, which probably means that we're Viking or German, Saxon by by origin, are are familiar with phrases like, core blimey, and core blimey just means Christ blind me. It's it's an oath. It's It's a profanity saying, if this is not the case, then let this happen to me. And, uh... Yeah, let me, let me just say this, like, we're probably not very different to the Jewish people in that there's some habits and some customs that we get into to hold ourselves accountable to things by swearing to something which is outside of ourselves because we want to, in some way, do the right thing. And in order to try to do the right thing, we feel, we feel an inadequacy, Inside, we feel that we can't, we can't verify our own claim. You know, in the old days when people used to write checks, you know, you used to have your money in the bank and you used to write a check, and then you'd give the check to the person and then they could take it, and then the money would be taken out of your bank account and paid to that person. But you could write a check even if you didn't have the money in the bank. And, and some of us, when we make promises, that's how we feel. We feel like... I can't write this check because I don't have enough money in the bank. I don't have the wherewithal to cover the statement I'm about to make. So I'm going to reference, not my own account, but I'm going to reference something else. I'm going to say, you know, may God strike me down if, you know, because I don't, I don't think it's just enough to say, look, I'm telling you the truth. But let's see what Jesus says. Jesus says, I tell you, Do not swear an oath at all. And why does Jesus say, do not swear an oath at all? You know, Jesus says, just let your yes be yes and your no be no. You know, why is that enough? Well, here's why it's enough. It's because we're in a teaching about the kingdom of God. You know, we're learning as we go through the Sermon of the Mount, you know, we're not We're not following weekly episodes. We're following a series which covers one teaching of Jesus about the kingdom. And all the week's teachings go together to give us a picture of the kingdom of God and of ourselves as kingdom people. And already we've seen in this series how we are a people who, because of what's inside us, are a light to the world. A people who have peace not hatred on the inside, peace, not anger on the inside, 
a people who are faithful to each other and a people that can stand true to their commitments. See, it's not about what's on the outside. We might feel inadequate, but actually there is one who is on the inside who is more than adequate. See, it's not about the external. It's not about the self. It's about the rock. It's about Jesus. You know, the same God whose loving kindness is mentioned 250 times, the same heart of God is within us. And, and we can be a consistent, faithful people because we know a God who is a faithful God. We know a God who is faithful and consistent towards us. We know a God who does not change. Now, I'm not saying you might, you know, I'm not saying you feel brilliant this morning. You know, your feelings are genuine, but they are feelings. You may feel inadequate, and that's, that's how you feel, and that's a genuine feeling, and, and that's something that we have to learn to cope with and carry and hold on to. But the truth is this, the truth is this, there is a faithful God inside of you. You know, as, as, as you say, God, I want you to come into my life. I, I just say sorry for all the sins, all the things I've done wrong, and I want you to be my Lord, and I want to follow you. When you make that statement, there's something that happens. You know, there's a transactional change in your life, and there's something that is solid and imperishable that comes and sits inside of you in the deepest place. So we can be a faithful people, not because we're special, but because a faithful God resides inside of us. So our yes can be our yes, and our no can be our no, because we can be internally consistent people. It's not about what's on the outside. It's about who's in us. And, and we're going to finish there. We're going to Enter back into a time of worship, knowing this, that however we feel, underneath all that turmoil, there's a consistency. And we can speak, not from our inadequacy, but we can speak from the kingdom that is within us, and our yes can be yes, and our no can be no. Amen.